A reading from 1 Samuel. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servants will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried to walk in vain, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff from his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all, and that all of this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the, bat- toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, instill on us the faith to look to you first in everything that happens and in what we do. In Jesus' name, amen. David and Goliath is the most favored story of all times. It's the story of an underdog, David, a boy fighting Goliath, the giant. It was ridiculous. 
Goliath was a Philistine. And the Philistine culture was one of warring, and they were mercenaries being hired out to another nation, or maybe for themselves. They caused war from Syria all the way to Egypt. Commentators say that the Philistines were one reason that the late Bronze Age empires collapsed. And among the Philistines was Goliath, a fierce warrior, the largest and strongest human, long experienced in war, trained in hand-to-hand combat with sword, spear, javelin. Most likely, even in spite of his size, he was probably fast. He had an armor bearer, most likely the best armor bearer. His job was to hold the shield when needed and to protect Goliath when stray spears or arrows came at him. And against this he-man, Goliath was David. He's explained by his king as being this boy. He was explained by his enemy as this boy, David. No experience in war. Put armor on and he could not move not trained in sword or spear. Took the armor off, picked up his sling, the weapon of a boy, picked up five stones out of the brook, the wadi, and went to war. But there's something else that David had as he went to war. David had a special background. He was the one who would watch the sheep. He would protect the sheep against animals that would try to eat them. So in a way, David dealt with bears and lions. And faith. David's lived alone as he tended the sheep. He was in the wilderness around Bethlehem. He protected the sheep, and he learned about protection from God. God protected him. In Judges, there's a slightly different story about the lions and bears. In Judges, he says, he's not as tough as a bear nor as strong as a lion. But he learned that God saved him. So, a sling, a stone, a faith in God allowed him to say to Goliath, You have come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel, in whom you have defiled. I started out by saying this was an underdog story. But maybe we named the wrong underdog. 
For you see, the fight wasn't with David and Goliath. The fight was with Goliath and God. All David was, was the one who would pick up a stone and throw it. We like the story because it supports our faith that when we are the underdog, God is our protector. What David learned in shepherding is what we learn in reading the Bible, looking in the past to see that God has provided and sustains and protects us. So when the giant comes, we are prepared. We face giants called sickness, family breakups, financial disaster, the giants of addiction and shame. The God who protected David is the God who protects us. But sometimes those giants are in our society and in, our, in the structure of our nation, the structure of our world. And rather than being personal, they have big names. Homelessness and poverty, violence and neglect, racism and materialism, And what do we do? We name the enemy. We name the Goliath that stands against God. But sometimes, sometimes we are like the Israelite army. Afraid. Afraid to face the Goliath. And so when the boy comes along, we want to face violence with violence, force with force. And so we put on to David the breastplate, the shield, the sword, and he cannot move. In our culture, when we see giants of violence, We want to return to violence as an answer. Is there unrest in the world? We want to send the military troops to solve it. Is there crime or violence in the neighborhood? We beef up police patrols. Do we perceive some kind of legal threat? We go to court. So when Goliath comes out and he taunts the Israelites, they think of force to force. They don't think about what does God want in this situation? What would God do with threats and taunts? How would God respond? We have a choice. David answers the question, not with swords that he cannot handle, 
but he answers it with a faith in God. Seven times in this little text, David says God will deliver him. He is, trust is in God. Goliath has great strength and power. And that's impressive to many cultures. But the Bible reminds us that God sides with the oppressed and the powerless people. God gives us the gospel of Christ to proclaim so that we may walk into the valleys of death in faith, not trusting in might or violence, but trusting in God. Our text stops a couple verses short of what David does. Our Sunday school teachers' lessons often don't talk about it either. It's after that stone hits Goliath's head. David took hold of the Philistine sword, drew it from the scabbard, killed him, and cut off his head with the sword. And then he takes the head and he goes into Jerusalem. He shows it to King Saul. But the sword he keeps in his own tent, a souvenir. By showing the head, he wants to show that God had won the battle. So what do we do with an Old Testament text that deals with violence? I ran across some notes. They were dated 2009, nine years ago. They may fit today's also. Old Testament violence is always written to give praise to God. New Testament violence. There are only two examples of violence in the New Testament. When James and John wanted to call down fire upon the Samaritans because of their unbelief and not accepting Jesus... And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when his disciples tried to prevent his arrest by using the sword. And what did Jesus say about those two violent encounters? He says, no. The Father in heaven causes sun to shine both on the wicked and on the righteousness. And then he tells us to love our enemies, to go, do good to those who persecute us, because love of God is always love of neighbor. That's the first point from nine years ago. The second point is, what do we do as Christians when we see sacred violence? What warnings do we need? What signs do we look for that religion has become evil 
and evil has become religious. The warning signs are beware. Beware of the fanatical claims of an absolute truth. I'm not talking about absolute truth as a philosophy or a way of life. I'm talking about the doubt-free, uncritical confidence that one understands absolutely what is true. Beware of blind obedience to totalitarian... To to totalitarian totalitarian, prismatic, authoritarian leadership that undermines the integrity and personal freedom, individual responsibility, and intellectual inquiry. Beware of the end times that fit only your religion. Beware of justifying religious ends by dubious means. Beware of all forms of dehumanization, from openly declaring war on your enemies, to demonizing those who differ from you, to construing your neighbor as someone else that doesn't count, to claiming that God is on your side alone. Beware of pressure tactics of coercion, deception, and false advertisement. Beware of alienation, isolation, and withdrawal from family, friends, and society. Beware of exploitations and of all unreasonable demands upon time, money, resources, family, friendships, sexuality, etc. Beware. David and Goliath, trusting in God, there is violence. And at the end of the day, we must admit, there is too much violence in our world. Christians should commit ourselves to do whatever we can do to stop it. Amen.